Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host, and I'm so grateful to be here. I hope that uh, we can provide you with some information and give you some guidance today. And I'm here with my executive producer and co-host, Mark Griffith, and thank you so much. Uh, We want to thank, of course, Mortgage Investors Group, our sponsor. You can go to migonline.com or give a call to 1-800-489-8910, help you with all of your home financing needs. So you can definitely get connected with us. Also, before we get started today's show, on today's show, we want to tell you how to connect with us, and that is to go to thehousinghour.com. You can um, see our past shows, our current show, share with friends and family. Also, facebook.com slash thehousinghour, um, Twitter at thehousinghour, and Pinterest Mark Griffith. So um, check it out. We'd love to have the opportunity to interact with you. And uh, we are so, so happy to be here. Um, Today, as you all know, coming very soon is the election, um, the election of our new president. Um, And what we wanted to do is to provide you some housing information on what these candidates stand for, what their housing plan is. And we've brought in um, our expert of everything, Steve Kleber, and we're installing a new segment to the Leave it to Kleber segment. So, Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure to be with you, Kevin and Mark. Absolutely. And, you know, this is a topic, I think, Steve, that a lot of people have sort of put on the back burner. And the reason being is because there is so many um, issues that these candidates stand for. Some people like you know, Donald Trump's stance on business and economy, you know, and some people like Hillary's stance on, you know, foreign affairs because of her experience. And, you know, we have to also think domestically in what's happening with the housing market. And you helped us um, really sort of sort out some questions and we'll kind of go through these things and, and we'll get your feedback on it. And, you know, the housing market is vitally important um, to our, our economy and especially the business that we are in. And so this next administration is going to have to definitely tackle some really big issues. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, Donald Trump being who he is, his real estate background, you would think would be a really good candidate for, um, for the housing market. But that might not always be the case. So why don't you first give us sort of the 30,000-foot view of where we are, what we are looking at, and sort of set us up for our discussion. Sure. Um, The candidates are closer in terms of polling than you might imagine, and other items are probably going to be more decisive in uh, voters making a decision. That being said, we're biased speaking here about home building and the construction industry. And and I might add uh, for your listeners that the construction industry is a leading indicator for the economy. When the uh, market went south several years ago, it was housing that led us into that. And similarly, housing is going to lead us out. Mm -hmm. So the current um, skew of voters 
um, are differentiated by whether they are a current homeowner or a prospective homeowner. And that being said, they're still pretty equal. The the uh, current homeowners have a slight advantage over Trump being better, 33 to 31, and yet a prospective homeowner is equally skewed towards Clinton, 35 to 27. Mm-hmm. How's that for confusing? It <laughs> is very confusing. <laughs> well, well, backing up, you know, you know, Clinton um, has been around for years with her husband, you know, in the previous uh, Clinton administration. Um, she tackled many issues with health care, even in, within his administration, that, that did not go off very well. It failed. Um, obviously, we know, all know that. And, but she, she was able to really see um, the entire history of um, President Clinton, um, his administration. You know, they tackled a lot of things. They did a lot of good things. And, you know, the economy was doing great. Um, you know, they, they definitely deregulated a lot of um, the housing market. Well, they, and, they monkeyed with uh, the Fannie Mae back in 94, right. too. Yes. So, so starting the 2003 bubble... I can point to that in liquidity factor article. Absolutely. In Clinton, you know, the Clinton administration, you know, I don't know how involved that Hillary was. The more I learn about her, I, the more I think she was very involved because Probably. she was she's a very opinionated person, which that's a good thing. A leader needs to be opinionated. So she was probably, you know, helping make decisions. I mean, she's very smart. She's mm-hmm. w- way beyond her years in people's minds of of where she is. She's a very high caliber leader. Um, but when you look back, you know, at Trump, you, you know, you have to think about, OK, We've got a lot of information on Hillary and her past, being an attorney, you know, having her time as a first lady, being involved in policy making decisions. But then Trump, you know, talk to me a little bit about where he comes from in real estate and why he might not be as successful maybe as people think in the real estate world. Well, uh, he obviously is um, intelligent in terms of real estate development. He's got uh, enough trophy properties to be able to put an exclamation point on that. Mm -hmm. That being said, a lot of people don't realize that he actually started a mortgage company 18 months before the housing crash. And um, today he claims he predicted the housing crisis, but really this mortgage company failed. And... um, Clinton, on the other hand, has really no background in real estate, but the experts believe she may be better slightly for the housing industry. A lot of this uh, upturn in the industry is going to be focused on low income, both in terms of the construction uh, trade, trade the craft, as well as the homeowners. Well, doesn't doesn't Hillary Clinton have some experience with with the Whitewater Project? <laughs> <laughs> that may or may not be relevant. <laughs> no, but you made a good point. I mean, Trump's uh, mortgage industry, I think, or mortgage business rather. You know, it, it was, a, and I remember it when you when I got your sort of white paper and Q and A that we were going to discuss today. It sort of made me remember because they were very high octane type of mortgage company it was like you know sort of the way you would imagine a quicken is you know and it was okay let's get them on the phone you know and then people are shooting rates out and then they're not harassing they're just doing high volume follow-up is what i call it and very aggressive salesman and you know and that's a business you know so president or so so presidential nominee 
um, Donald Trump did venture into the mortgage industry and it didn't quite work out. Now, in his defense, it didn't work out for a lot of people. You know, there's a lot of companies that went under that were in the mortgage business. So you can't necessarily blame him and, uh, and say, well, he doesn't know anything about mortgages. He knows a lot about real estate, certainly. Now, how would that benefit us maybe from his experience? Because he has a lot of failures, just like, you know, anyone in business. You know, he has had filed Chapter 11 um, on a few of his businesses. And his claim is, well, that's the law of the land. And that's part of being an American is to utilizing the laws. But how do those things, how can that affect people's decision um, on making a presidential election, you know, candidate uh, in, when you get into the booth? Well, I think both candidates are, are fully surrounded by lawyers and understand how the nuances of the laws um, are going to affect real estate. Um, that being said, again, I believe it's the uh, availability of housing and craftspeople to build those homes and how that may be affected by immigration policy. Mm -hmm. And as well, the low-income first-time home buyer who is seeing their rents exceeding 50% of their income and whether or not they're going to be able to get a loan. Whatever you want to say about the housing crisis, it was predicated on trying to get people into homes, and I still believe in that. That's true. And, and I, I mean, and people, people point to, you know, President nominee, I keep wanting to call him President Trump, but presidential nominee um, Trump as not paying taxes, you know, they say, well, you had this huge loss in the past. And, you know, how does that relate to him being president? And you mentioned, you know, one of the things that is happening right now is that we have a lot of people in our country, millennials specifically, that are paying rent and deciding not to buy for whatever reason. Even though we sort of have a great housing market right now, the person who is going to be president in the future has to address these issues. Why are not, why are millennials not buying? Why are more people remodeling, which is not a bad thing, rather than buying a new home? You know, how can we make sure that we're out in front of this? And you know, when you think, and we're going to talk about their housing plan in the next segment because we've got some great information to provide our listeners. But when you take a step back and you're trying to look at both people as business people, you know, which of the two has a better business sense? You know, I guess you'd have to say Trump in that in that category. I mean, what would you say, Steve? Well, it, it, there there um, there's a divergence here. Trump wants to get rid of regulations that kill jobs. He wants to reduce taxes. And so as a result, it could well be that if uh, jobs increase, then housing will follow. It, it could well be that builders aren't building, and so there is a um, uh, decline in inventory based on the fact that there aren't enough jobs. Right. So whether you argue that housing comes first or jobs comes first or tradespeople come first, they all are intertwined. Mm-hmm. And there's a big, I think, chasm here of trust between both candidates. I mean, the fact is that there's so much information that we don't know, <clears throat> excuse me, about um, some of the decisions that President, I'm sorry, that Hillary Clinton made as it relates to Benghazi or the email um, crisis. You know, there's things about Trump with his, you know, his, his moral compass and these things that he may or may not have said or done. Um, with women and women's issues. And so there's, there's a lot of information out there and there's some distrust happening. You sort of think back whenever you had um, President, I guess it was, no, it was actually Bush and what's the guy's name? I'm sorry, I can't even remember it, with the boat, the boat controversy uh, in Vietnam. 
was it was not Romney. It was John Kerry. John Kerry. John Kerry. If you remember, that all came out in September, and people started to say, "Well, goodness, is this guy trustworthy?" So we have this trustworthy question, trustworthiness question, and what do you think? How is that going to play with people's decision? Well, you could have hit the exact uh, inflection point, and that is trust. Both of these candidates have the lowest trust ratings in history, mm. and uh, women are probably going to make the difference if I can prognosticate, mm-hmm. and women are slightly more skewed towards Clinton. Also, women drive a lot of the decisions on housing in terms of the demand. But doesn't Trump say he's going to be great for women? <laughs> he does. I guess you've got to hand it to him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, you know, and that's just it. You know, both candidates are going to say whatever it is that they need to say to get um, elected at this point. And so what we need to do is just unpack what the facts are and look at their housing plan. And because that's what we're talking about. You know, we didn't want to dig in too much to some of the other issues, although they're important to making a decision. We just want to give you some of the facts and some of the information. So when we get back from our first break, we're going to dive in a little bit more into detail about where they stand on housing and what they've said publicly, what their um, <clears throat> their campaign stand for as it relates to housing. And I think that'll give you a little clearer perspective on where, they, where they're going to go with this. And I think they both have very different views on housing and what needs to be done. So, guys, we want you to stick with us. We're helping you make a decision um, for this year's election, and we hope we can provide that information to you. Please feel free to email or call us. Um, You can reach us right at 1-800-489-8910. You can ask for myself if you have any questions whatsoever, or you can go to thehousinghour.com and contact us there. But join us right after these messages. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour, election special, if you will. Thank you for joining us here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Thank you to MIG, Mortgage Investors Group, uh, for our sponsorship of this show. And we're, we're diving back into where the candidates stand on housing. And we have with us Steve Kleber, our Leave It to Kleber series with Steve. He's really a, been a tremendous help to us. And we will have all his information, by the way, on our website. And his um, information would be his website, his contact information, his blog, most importantly. He writes a great blog that we have used over the years to help us uh, dive into certain issues. So um, continuing today, talking about Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, the two candidates for for president. Um, We also have sort of a dark horse third-party candidate in Gary Johnson, um, who doesn't even show up anywhere on the debates. He does actually lead in a few states, surprisingly, um, I believe. Um, at least that may be propaganda that he shares on, on Facebook. I'm not sure. But um, his his whole hope is that we, he can get it back into the House of Representatives because if evidently some of the election laws is if he wins a certain amount of states, then it could then pass it over to the House of Representatives. But anyway, do you know anything about that, Steve? Is that even true? 
All I can say is I think it would be a benefit if we did have a strong third party. We don't have that in this case, but um, I'm a big believer in the laws of three. Mm -hmm. And um, I think some of our challenges is this uh, bifurcation between Mm. the two parties that we have. Right. No, I agree. And, well, this this is a little different. You know, you think of Donald Trump, and, I mean, I loved him on The Apprentice. You know, I used to watch it all the time. I loved watching, you know, Lil John and Meatloaf and Gary Busey, you know, just tangled in all of these reality TV, you know, quarrels. And now to think that this individual who was the head of Apprentice, the show Apprentice, you know, Donald Trump, is now the Republican nominee for president. I mean, it's like an alternative universe. I, I can't even believe that this has happened. Well, I remember watching <laughs> Ronald Reagan as a cowboy right. in the movie. So, right. you know, he, he made the transition. But. but the difference was he didn't wasn't recorded saying the <laughs> no. things that he said. No. You know, and, 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 but no. anyway, I regress. I, I or digress. I don't want to even go back into that. But um, talking about the housing policies in the housing kind of plans for each of these individuals um talk to me a little bit about each of their plans as you see it sure and we and we uh, touched on this just a, a little bit a few moments ago um trump wants to get rid of the regulations that kills jobs he wants to reduce taxes on business he wants to remove regulations mm-hmm. and of course he would like to appoint supreme court justices some of which would be could have a positive impact on the industry Clinton, on the other hand, wants to increase regulations, and some of those could be beneficial to the housing industry. She'd like to match up up to $10,000 for responsible homeowners that earn less than the median uh, income. She'd like to broaden the credit terms and update underwriting and credit testing tools. Um, She wants to give the government agencies that support the mortgage lending industry 90 days to present a plan. And, of course, she's interested in defending the current supply of low-income tax credits. So hers is regulations, but they are designed to improve the industry. His is lack of regulations, which he claims will positively impact the industry. Well, I'm sure he would say, look, you know, my mortgage company would have made it if it hadn't been for all this regulation. You know, right. he, he blames regulation for the faults of business in some instances. And I, could, I would have to agree with him that we are over-regulated. Would you agree with that, Mark? Oh, we're definitely over-regulated now. Right. So there is definitely some truth to the fact that we need to have somebody relook at Dodd-Frank. We need to you know, repeal it. We need to redefine it. We need to make it better. We need to apply some common sense to it. So, um, and I think Hillary, you know, Clinton would be for making some modifications. I mean, look, this is off topic, but she's even finally admitted that Obamacare needs to be addressed and modified, not repealed, but certainly peeled back and, and uncover some of the issues. So I would hope that because there's sort of a growing number of people in America that believe that Dodd-Frank needs that same examination. So anyway, and, you know, of course, they blame the reason why Dodd-Frank isn't working or the health care isn't working because because they had to get it passed and the Republicans pulled out some of the good stuff that that's the reason it's not working. But um, to the point of let's talk about Trump first. Um, get rid of any regulations that kill jobs. How do you define that? What is killing jobs? 
Well, and again, that's so subjective. That's why this is so confusing. Are we talking about regulations or are we talking about incentives? Mm. Are we talking about top-down, you know, trickle-down, as some people talk about, or are we talking about building a safety net and helping the lower income? And which is going to generate more growth? The uh, wealthy already have potentially four houses, and the um, impoverished have a hard time making the rent. Which one is going to do more to be able to increase the momentum for the channel? Yeah, and, and that is a good point. It's very confusing. And the fact that we're on almost at the eve of our election and we haven't really got any details in the debates because it's all centered around throwing and hurling you know, uh, things at each other that are based upon their character it's so hard to hear from them what exactly unless you do like what you've done here steve which is to dig in mm -hmm. and do the research you know and most americans can't or don't have time to do that they're too busy on facebook and twitter so trying to get somebody to dive into the the nuts and bolts of it and that's why this is great stuff now okay so moving down the list the the businesses you know most people would admit that europe and most other um countries similar to the united states have a much lower tax rate on businesses would that be true i i believe so i'm not an expert on taxes I, i'm true. curious about how taxes regulations and incentives help the housing industry well and I, I agree and i think that jobs would be one of the things that you could point to that if you did reduce taxes because we're overtaxed as, as businesses are overtaxed there's no doubt about it and that's one of the biggest reasons why you see businesses flooding to other countries to set up shop because they feel like they can get a much better deal from a profitability standpoint to move their headquarters to china or not china but into europe or into other areas and then, so we're losing jobs that way. So if you could somehow make it better for corporate America to keep their headquarters here, keep their manufacturing plants here, and lower their tax burden, they would then in, in turn be able to hire more people, create more jobs, and then those people would need homes. And it's sort of the trickle up, trickle down theory, you know? Right, so, right. And then the only thing to worry about is inflation, because if you limit immigration, a lot of the home right. building industry is based on, uh, let's face it, un undocumented laborers that keep the costs low. So if you um, keep the Mexicans from coming across the border like they were years ago, then the cost of labor goes up. Um, and hopefully as um, jobs increase, then there will be people who need more housing. And, you know, he has a very sort of polarized um, stance on immigration. And I think it's changed a little ever since he first got into the race. You know, he wants to build the wall, you know, so there's a lot of jobs <laughs> to build well, that. Particularly if they have condos on top of that wall. <laughs> yeah, because he is planning on doing um, multi-use um, housing on the wall. I don't know if you all heard about that. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, did you, are you going to say something, Mark? Well, I was just going to say, uh, I've, I've read where they're talking about border towns to help with it instead of the wall. But anyway, mm. maybe we'll get into that the later. The Trump wall is going to have <laughs> diamonds glimmering across the sky. Um, well, so that's, that's we, we've dug in a little bit, and I do, well, we're going to get out, go to break, and then when we get back, Steve, I'd like to talk about the Supreme Court piece of this. And, you know, of course, the, here's the big question that all conservatives and all liberals have, is that a lot of people say, you know what, 
as much as I don't like Donald Trump and what he stands for and what he says to Billy Bush on a bus, you know what? He's going to appoint the people to the Supreme Court that I care about. Abortion, gay marriage, where they stand on those type of conservative issues. And then on the flip side, the liberals say, as much as I don't like Hillary, as much as I don't trust Hillary, she's going to appoint judges that will be more lenient on these subjects, you know, Social programs. Social programs, exactly. So that might end up being what decides the election, quite frankly. Guys, we're going to continue this conversation with Steve Kleber right after these messages. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. And welcome back into the Housing Hour, your election headquarters for your 2016 decision coming this November. We have with us former president of the United States, Steve Kleber. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but Steve, hey, can we write you in? <laughs> I would be honored. I think I might. You, I, think I, I, don't know, I don't know if I want the job, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, you would have at least two votes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, I'm, I'm surprised that there hasn't been another candidate that has sort of, you know, come out of the woodwork. I mean, Gary Johnson is one, but, you know, he hasn't really got the traction that you would have expected, you know, especially with as much distrust as there has been for these two candidates. You know, you would expect a third-party candidate. Like Ralph Nader. Like a Ralph Nader, (laughs) right. Because if you remember Ralph Nader, I mean, he was up there. He was on the debates. You know, he paid money, if you recall, to do a primetime special, and he had his little bulletin boards and his little, you know, and— you know, he just, he didn't make any traction. There was no traction made. So, well, he did affect that or that election, certainly. I mean, he took oh, a lot of definitely. votes away from President Bush the time, you know, and that's partly why we had what we had. So anyway, we're going to get into Hillary's different bullet points of what her housing is. Why don't you talk to us, kind of give us an overview um, of what Hillary, we can expect from, from her um, and, and sort of, you know, some of these things that we look at and what it is that she's going to be pushing as far as housing goes, you know, some of these things may never make it even out of her campaign because this, these are campaign promises, you know, and same thing with, with Trump, you know, the make promises, but can you deliver on them is a whole another question. Right. And like we uh, touched just a moment ago, whether you're looking at bottom up or top down, I think is really the best way to view this. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking from the bottom up and you start talking about the construction industry, we are four years into a shortage of framers, roofers, drywallers, painters. The cost of construction is slowed down. Uh, South American Mexicans aren't crossing the border. Uh, 14% of construction jobs are going to undocumented workers. In fact, this past August was the lowest number of unemployed construction workers in more than 16 years. So if you don't have the workers to build the buildings and you've got uh, low-income wage earners without job growth, you're not going to get the increase in the momentum of the industry. So there are fewer homes being built 
in an industry already short in terms of housing supply. Steve, let me ask you a question. Uh, going back to those statistics, um, are you are you saying that it's because there aren't the those workers coming in is causing the low construction, or is it the supply and demand where there's not much demand for the construction? What's what's causing the slowdown? Well, it's it's a perfect storm, or if if you would uh, call it a, a double rainbow, which I believe, regardless of which candidate um, enters the White House, we're due for an increase in the industry, right. because I believe the economy is uh, flat to up as opposed to flat to down. We're probably going to get an interest rate rise in the future. Uh, there's debate as to when that will be. But typically, when you do have an interest rate rise, the mortgage industry pops up ever so slightly, and that gets people off of the fence. The right. increase of the inflation creates jobs, and the housing starts to increase, and people want to jump on and uh, move away from their rents. So um, you, you can talk about either candidate, but I believe that the macroeconomics are such that um, a house is a great thing to buy right now. I agree, and I think that the, the, the shortage of these folks, I don't know how good of a job we're doing um, to train people to do the things that we need in, to make our economy what it is and what it can be. Like you talk about the shortage of, of framers and, and drywallers and painters and things of that nature. You know, you, you think there's so many people that are looking for jobs right now. And I mean, maybe I'm misreading this, but there's a lot of people out there that could be trained to do some of these things. Would you agree with that? I agree. You know, we're in the sharing economy. The number one occupation of males in the U.S. is driving a vehicle. Right. And the reason I bring that up is because those people who are going to be offset by Uber and robotics, where forklifts and semi-tractor trailers are going to be driving themselves, those people could be retrained into the construction industry, which, as we, we said before, is an early indicator to the rise in the economy. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a broad stroke, but it is interesting to consider. That is interesting, and, and I mean, that's a good point, because uh, actually most people who are, let's say, driving a tractor trailer, for instance, and let's say in 10 years we have the ability for cars and trucks to safely probably much safer than humans well those folks who are now 30 years old they're going to be 40 years old and they're going to be maybe out of work or have to work for a lot less are they going to be able to have the mindset and the get up and go to go out and try to apply themselves and, and relearn and retrain themselves at 40, 50 years old? That's I don't know whether that's going to be something that can happen. But the fact is, you make a very good point, Steve. The economy and all of the new technology that is emerging is happening at a quicker and quicker pace. Things are developing quicker. You talk about a self-driving car 10 years ago, people would have laughed at you. They would have laughed you out of the room today. Now it's a reality. It's happening right now in New Jersey. Uber has already installed, you know, a lot of these self-driving cars with a human um, that's behind the wheel. But it, it, I mean, am I wrong to think that what you're saying is a vital part of what these candidates need to be communicating to the public? 
I wish they were talking about the things that we're talking about today, and I guess that's the, the value of the media that you and I are involved with. Mm -hmm. But yes, housing is something that is universal since the beginning of time. People lived in caves. They're going to be living in structures. Whether these um, people, through disruption, are going to be trained to increase solar um, or, or simply HVAC systems, they can be trained. And just like the Dakotas, when we had the fracking, sent a wave of gold rush um, workers heading in that direction to uh, get a piece of that action, so too would these workers swarm to the housing industry when there is an upturn. Now, you, you mentioned in some of your notes here about the National Association of Home Builders. You may have mentioned this when I was trying to concentrate on something else that I was thinking about, but um, is that something do you think Trump would support, you know, to have workers come in temporarily for stretches for different jobs? It seems like that would be a great compromise. I don't know if he understands and uh, uses the word compromise too often, but it would seem that, you know, building a border city and having a guest worker program could be a win-win where you can continue to have low-cost labor and not have to de make a determination on these tens of millions of undocumented uh, workers. Yeah, because Trump comes across as sort of dealing with an iron fist, the way he talks about China, which we didn't even get into today. But, you know, he talks about going over there and he says, look, you know, you're not, you want to send your products in here? Well, you're going to get taxed on it. I mean, that's, that's what, there's a word for that. And I can't remember what the word is, but we don't want it. That's the bottom line. Well, no matter what China or Russia does, if you're going to live in a home, it's going to be built in the United States. That's right. And then some of the products that you're going to put into that home are going to be made in China. Could be, or in, or in Mexico. But we need to think, rethink to that as, a, as an American, you know, maybe what a good idea would be, because there's plenty of products, even products that you've, uh, on your shows in the past, that are made right here in America that you could put into your home. Well, that's about marketing and branding. If you want something that's made in the United States, then a company will brand it as such, mm -hmm. and the marketplace will purchase it as such. Right. If it's not branded and the audience doesn't want it, then perhaps it's merely a soundbite for a political campaign as opposed to whether it's really an economic situation. And quickly, we only have 90 seconds in this segment, but solar energy um, Democrats have always seemed to be the ones who support it, and um, the Republicans have always seemed to be the people who have not supported it. Where do you think that these candidates fall? Well, this comes right back to whether or not you support, support uh, solar, uh, coal, or oil and gas, and there's enough to go around. So um, I, I, I think that's still to be determined and probably not going to be um, for this election. And we'll, we're going to actually finish off talking about energy-efficient things that the candidates may or may not believe in, um, because the conservative line of thinking is that there's no problem with the environment and that there is no global warming. The Democrats' theory is that, yes, there is global warming. So there's two different stances on that. So one of them has to be right. Maybe there's a middle ground. But let's actually sort of talk about that in our ending because it means so much to the future in housing about how it is that we heat, how it is that we have electricity and, and do it in a way that's not going to, you know, build such a huge carbon footprint that is going to cause, you know, our environment problems in the future for our kids, our grandkids and so forth. So we're continuing with Steve Kleber right after these messages right here on the Housing Hour. 
The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. I want to sing so bad right now, but it would not be good. Steve, why don't you bring us into the segment with a little bit of This Is It. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. The Housing Hour is presented by Mortgage Investors Group, MIGonline.com. Give them a call at 1-800-489-8910. They have uh, offices that will serve you, and we hope to be able to help in your home financing needs. Um, Each candidate stand in terms of solar energy. Uh, Talk to me about their plans. It doesn't seem like Trump has one. (laughs) Well, Clinton wants to install 500 million solar panels, and she intends to defend and implement and extend pollution and efficiency standards. She wants the Obama administration's clean power plan to move forward, and part of her plan is obviously going to require congressional approval, but it would be very good for solar demand, and it would boost it near-term in terms of pricing. Trump, on the other hand, really hasn't outlined a specific agenda or target for renewables. He's expressed, as we discussed, skepticism about man-made climate change. He intends to rescind the Obama administration's climate action plan, and um, this would potentially affect other countries who have signed into the Paris Climate Agreement. Um, And in the end, Trump is probably better for oil and the coal industries. So the question is, how does that affect housing? Oil and coal, not as much. Solar, more so. And especially looking into the future, I mean, what we're going to need is somebody that's going to have sort of a, a broad um, spectrum plan that's not going to focus just on one um, different energy source. You know, you, yes, gas and oil, that's important, but we also need solar and wind and those things that that Trump, I can just hear him now talking about how it's failed and how, you know, they're fraudulent and all those companies that were startups got, you know, disposed of and the people who got all these tax incentives. And I can just hear him now. And some of that's true, but most of it's not. Um, so give your overall impression now that we've talked about all of these issues. Um, who do you think out of the two candidates would be better for the housing industry? Well, as I said, I'm going to take a middle here, and and that's intentional, not uh, to avoid responsibility. But I think the housing industry is poised for a significant upturn after almost a decade of improvement. We're at an inflection point where I think regardless of which candidate gets into the White House, there is uh, blue skies ahead for the housing industry. Mm -hmm. I believe that the mortgage uh, rates are going to pop up ever so slightly, just enough to get people off the fence. Probably is going to be bad for the multifamily industry, the apartments, because rents are now at an all-time high and slightly overbuilt. I believe we're going to come up with some kind of guest worker policy or some way to maintain low-income workers to be able to be framers and painters and roofers. And um, it it should be good for the entire industry, and I don't think either one of them can screw it up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And, I mean, the fact is that that Trump really has not sort of brought out his plan for housing. fully and you hear him talk about it occasionally um clinton has given a little more specifics and on the surface clinton i mean sorry trump has 
experience, quote unquote, in the real estate industry, but it's really not like on the street level where we are, you know, where you're, you're helping to build a neighborhoods for families. He's building hotels in huge, you know, monstrosities, you know, in New York and others. So it's really hard to tell. But at the end of the day, I think you make a good point. I think neither candidate's going to affect housing in the short term. I think the trajectory is such that we're going to be able to maintain and continue this um, increase. Do you have any closing statements in the last 15 seconds that we have? Well, again, I'm happy to be in the media to be able to talk about these important items, and I'm happy to be in housing because I believe it's the benchmark for success in living in this country. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Steve, and we'll definitely be posting this so that everyone can share it with friends and family to help you make an informed decision. Thank you, Steve, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Guys, we appreciate another housing hour right here with you every week. So join us every week on thehousinghour.com. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Good night. That's the housing hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know. So come here to find out. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Like we're in